I'm R.J. Bell with the sports betting headlines for Tuesday. Monday night football, the Rams win and cover as an underdog, but they're still not as favored to win the Super Bowl. They're lesser favorites than the Arizona team they just beat got beat. We'll tell you what's happening there. In COVID news, Rams with OBJ and eight others out, it looks like, or at least in the protocol, line has dropped from a touchdown favorite versus Seattle to just a five-point favorite. So a two-point adjustment downgrading the Rams with the COVID news. Browns also downgraded. We'll get into it. There's another line move that's very curious. New England at Indy. Last week, the early look-ahead line was pick them. Now the Colts at home favored by two and a half. What is going on? Here comes a full out of the Vegas truth covering all that and more. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 This is Straight Out of Vegas with the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. I the future. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. You heard it, I'm R.J. live on a Tuesday, the day after Monday Night Football, live in Las Vegas, live on 225 FSR stations across this great, great nation. I tell you, I think I've got a Monday Night Football opinion different than many Certainly different than Colin Cowherd right here in FSR. I actually kind of disagree with his take, and we'll get right to it. Sports bettors listen for the money. Sports fans listen to no more than their buddies. He's the fan who beats the man in studio, A.J. Hoffman. Thank you, R.J. Great to be here on a day where COVID rampages through the NFL, causing some major line shifts. The Rams get a big Monday night football win before their outbreak. And Steph Curry, two three-pointers away from making history at Madison Square Garden tonight. What is the Vegas lead? Let's get into Monday night football first. And I want to hear your take after the setup, because I think mine might just be different. The Los Angeles Rams get their biggest win of the year, 30-23 to over the Arizona Cardinals, covering as three-point underdogs. My, my biggest takeaways were this was the worst game of the season for Kyler Murray, uh, and I think a lot of it was the defensive front for the Rams is really starting to come together. You're starting to see the impact of trading for Von Miller. Aaron Donald had his best game of the year, and when you look at Aaron Donald, Von Miller, uh, Leonard Floyd, who had an interception, the, the front for the Rams was just dominant last night, something that we've kind of been expecting to see since they brought in Von Miller. And this was on a night where they really needed it, where the secondary was banged up. They were short, you know, their best cornerback. The defensive front really made hay against Arizona. Okay, so it's important for me to realize, and I think everyone that's trying to analytically, or let's just say accurately assess sports, if you're better, if you're a fan, is it's usually not going to be all of one thing or all of the other. So let's acknowledge the Rams, from my perspective. This is a team that is supposed to trend upward, trend upward throughout the season. Why? Because they have a new defensive coordinator, which takes some time. 
even though the coordinator is attempting to apply the Staley concepts from last year, it's still a new coach. Number two, they have a new quarterback. And even if that's an upgrade, that's supposed to get better throughout the season. They have a new wide receiver, too, OBJ, with Woods out. And they've got a new key D you know, rush edge with Von Miller. And the Von Miller and OBJ obviously came midseason. So the idea that this team is getting better and it might just not be luck, it might not just be random, but, hey, they're supposed to get better, I think is true. And thus, for them to play such a good game late in the year is a good sign. Right? So, no doubt. Let me ask you this question, though. You talk about this outstanding game. Um, first downs won by Arizona. Yardage won by Arizona. 91 yards additional. Two turnovers for Arizona, meaning minus two. One of our basic tenants... One of our basic premises is that turnovers have a lot of randomness to them. And thus, if you are down two turnovers, it's going to be hard to win the game, all things equal. And then the secret hidden stat, I think, AJ, is two turnovers on downs. And what we're going to have to get used to talking about and be conversant in is looking at turnovers on downs now that so many teams are going for fourth downs almost as a turnover. It's called turnover on downs. It's saying we're giving you the ball exactly where we snapped it last. And we know that analytics tells us that going for for more fourth downs is a good thing, but no one ever said that it was always a good thing, right? So, in this case, when you're 0 for 2 in that regard, or when you have the two turnovers on downs, that now is four times the ball was handed to the Rams that wasn't a punt, that wasn't a kickoff, that was a you know catastrophe is what turnovers are. I, I'm not sure how we can look at a final of seven points, 30 to 23, in which Arizona outgained them, out first downed them, and act like the Rams, as Colin is purporting, having a dominant victory. I would say what seemed dominant to me was the fact. I, I mean, I agree with you. Interceptions do have, or turnovers in general, have a lot of luck factor. But both those interceptions were caused because Kyler Murray could not stay clean in the pocket. So, so, so now we're we're literally going to be assessing each individual turnover by how lucky it felt. I mean, boy, what about the turnovers that don't happen? Do we count? The, I mean, it's like it's, I'm not saying you can't do that, but man, it is a complete. Like one thing I tend to do is look at Pro Football Focus, and they've got their turnover-worthy plays, right? So they're saying there's this number of plays that were worthy of generating a turnover for the quarterback, let's say. And now if you look at the actual number of turnovers, you can say how lucky or unlucky were they. So there might be a guy that had three turnover-worthy plays but had no turnovers. Well, he got lucky for no turnovers. There might be someone that had no turnover-worthy plays but two turnovers. In the long run, that tends to even out. In any given game, it doesn't. So, I mean, if we want to say the Rams earned the turnovers, mm, I think we're getting on shaky. It feels very narrative-driven to me. 
Tyler had four turnover-worthy plays in that game. Gave it away twice. Okay, so and and, and I mean that is a, a significant number, and it's very reasonable to say, hey, that that that, that is a sign of the Rams, or was it? A, but was it, or of their effectiveness, or is it a sign of Kyler having a bad game? It could be both, but Kyler's only had one game. He hasn't had a game this season over one turnover-worthy play until that game where he had four. Wow, now, so, where'd you pull that stat from? I've got researchers here doing no, all the I'm just the saying, where did you pull Because that seems like it's just so on point right now, and that's unlike <laughs> you. How, explain to me the mechanics of that. McKenzie put it on my screen. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That's pretty <laughs> strong. All right, so not one game. So let's say that one more time. Kyler Murray had zero games coming in this game Monday night in which he had more than one turnover-worthy play. Yes. And he had four of them last night. Yes. So is that him having a bad game, or is that the Rams looking so good? It's entirely possible that he just had a bad game, of course, but I, I think uh, bad, he's in, by the, he's way, in the a best bad game, A bad game in which he outgained the opponent by 91 yards. Well, sure, they were chasing the, the entire game. Well, were I mean, they? they? I mean, well, yeah. this is what I don't understand. The Rams were never up by more than 10 points, were they? They were up by 14 going into the fourth quarter. Okay, so so if you look at the our new drive charts, which haven't been released to the public yet, and we look at the margin throughout the game, what would you say would be the average margin throughout the game? It's probably about 7, 10 points. Yeah, I mean, what I'm saying is there might there was a flash of time the Rams were up by 14, but the average, if let's say we started the second quarter on and said every minute, let's see what the score was, the margin, and let's take an average. The average has been around a seven-point lead. for the So chasing the whole game where the Rams are in prevent, that just wasn't what it was. The Rams, when you're up 10 most of the game or some of the game, you're not in prevent. So okay, you're, the, you're right. I mean, the fact that the Cardinals could keep scoring and keep the game close when they had – and by the way, when they gave the ball over on downs, it was deep in the – I mean, the, the inter, if you actually look at the interceptions and you look at the turnover on downs, a majority of them were after like 50, 60-yard drives. So it's like the Cardinals were really – if they would have just kicked field goals in all four cases – I mean, just do the math instead of the turn. Now, obviously, that wasn't – you can't know for sure when you're going to turn the ball over. And thus, you could say, well, why not kick field goals when you end up scoring a touchdown? I'm not making the case the Rams shouldn't have won. I'm making the case that this felt like a coin flip game except for the fact of the four turnovers on – I mean, the Rams had zero turnovers on downs. The Rams had zero interceptions, zero fumbles. So when you have zero on one side and four on the other, two interceptions, two turnovers on downs, and multiple ones of those, and Mackenzie, why don't you pull up? I don't have the drive chart right in front of me. Is the two or three of those four losses of the ball, at least two of them were after a long drive. You have that in front of you? No, one second. All right, take but a also second. remember, the Rams didn't. They never went for it on fourth down. They never felt like they were in the situation. The Cardinals went for it four times on fourth down. Okay, so I mean that's kind of the point is that when you have teams that are playing this high variance game, sometimes it goes with you, sometimes it goes against you. Now your point would be two out of four. No, but the ones that they made, how long were was it fourth and ones? Was it fourth? And, this is this is the real challenge of the NFL in 2021. No one or hardly anyone, and I'm yet not, I'm not prepared to fully 
understand how to integrate this into the analysis. I know you can't ignore it, right? You cannot ignore when teams are – look at the uh, Chargers. When they make their first downs on these fourth down efforts, they dominate sometimes. Other times they lose a game badly. Why? Because of a couple of fourth down decisions. The variance in these games, the, the, the distance between the winners and losers are going to go up as teams – increase the variance of their play through going forward on fourth down. The theory is in the long run, it's an advantage for the team going for it. I'm not sure I always agree with that, but at least the math as they are calculating it, and that's important to realize, the math says it is better. I know that, that let's just assume it is. It doesn't mean that when a team gives the ball away four times and the other team zero, that we should act like that didn't happen. I think we agree to that. Absolutely. And if you but I do, I, do, okay. I, I do think there's something to when it works, these coaches are going to be lauded for how ballsy they are and how, how they're doing the right thing by the math. And then when it doesn't work, they're going to go, why would you do that? What are they thinking? Yeah, and I'll be candid. There's been some decisions. I was listening to this podcast yesterday about critiquing the decisions of the coaches this weekend. And like the third worst decision, <laughs> and I'll put worst in quotes, was a, a coach was uh, up by seven, okay, on their own 25-yard line with three minutes left with, like, a fourth and four. Now, who in their right mind is thinking of going for it there? Think about it. You're, down, or you're up seven. There's, like, three and a half minutes, four minutes left in the game. You got the ball on your own, like, 25, and it's, you know, fourth and four. And that seems like a, it seems like a pretty easy punt situation. Well, the computer says that was the third worst decision. Now, again, the computer sounds really smart, doesn't it? But you can program that computer to say anything you want it to say. <laughs> That's true. I, I'm not saying the computers are they're purposely getting the numbers wrong. But what I'm saying is every trillion dollar downturn in the economy, and I'm saying T, trillion, since 1992, pretty much, has been caused by algorithms that miscalculated things and didn't understand the full reality. And thus, we went into international recessions over these algorithms. And I can promise you, the math guys that were running those algorithms are much better than the NFL math guys, who, again, not saying they don't get a lot of respect because they're PhDs, they're elite guys, but not. imagine if the NFL says, hey, we think maybe you could work for us, or pregame.com says, hey, you want to work for us? And then it's, on the other hand, it's um, Morgan Stanley, or it's, uh, you know, just name your big New York Stock Exchange institution. Who do you think's paying more, right? The 28-year-olds on Wall Street are making a million-plus dollars. Sure. So, in general, the, the highest math is going to be on either research, or it's going to be, Wall, you know, Harvard, Yale, et cetera, in the Ivy Leagues, the, the research. And that's usually the path. They go there, and then when they're like 42, they get, Wall Street finally offers them enough money. They move to New York, and the Nobel laureate starts to do math for the finance. That's the story of finance and, and the wonks, as they say. I can promise you the NFL isn't there saying, no, actually, we'll give you 18 million a year. That's no, it's not what's happening, right? The, the wonks on Wall Street make more than OBJ and they have made that many mistakes. So let's respect the math, but let's not bow down to, to the altar of math unless we know the mathematicians and we are certain they don't make mistakes. And you know what? I've never seen that even on Wall Street because again, 
the, look at the recession in 2008 around the real estate market. It was driven by the wonks and the math being wrong. There was a correlation between the different housing markets and no one understood. And, the, the, and eventually some people did. And if you watch the movie The Big Short or read the book The Big Short, it details it, how wrong the wonks were. Mackenzie, do we have uh, the uh, drives in which they let the ball go either by interception or by turnover on downs? Yes, there was an interception after a 60-yard drive and then a turnover on downs after a 61-yard drive. And the, what was the turnovers. snap yard line of those final plays of those two? So it'd be the number to the left of the uh, – it, it's the number in green that says what yard line it was? The 40-yard line and the 14-yard line. Yeah, so all the way down to the 14-yard line. line. Sorry. No, so, it was a four-yard line where he threw a pick. He threw a pick inside their own five. Yeah, yeah. And then the other play was where? The 40-yard line. Okay. 14. So, I mean, let's just say, assume the pick didn't have – let's just say that one play was different. Now, we can say the rest of the game plays differently, but when you win by seven and you throw a pick on the four-yard line and it's one of four times you turn the ball over more than the opponent, how do we sit here and act like the Rams dominated? That's what I don't understand. AJ, I'll give you last word. No, I do not think that the Rams dominated. I just think this was a big performance for them in a game where they really needed it. And you're yeah, right. But maybe was this- it more than a coin flip? I think it was more than a coin flip. I don't think it was some sort of a smash job, though, either. Uh, so I, 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 th- I think maybe I'm somewhere in between where you and Colin are on this because I think the I think the Rams thoroughly outplayed the Cardinals, but I don't think that they How dominated them. How do you thoroughly outplay them. someone in which if one play had gone differently, it's a tie game at minimum? I mean, listen. This game, this is a game, is about quarterbacks, and Matt Stafford completely outplayed Kyler Murray. And still, it was so close. The only reason it looks close is because they kicked a field goal with 30 seconds left to try for an onside kick. Boy, that's the right mathematical play, isn't it? It is, but it doesn't mean that it was really a close game. If they went for it, there was a chance they could have scored a touchdown, and then it would be three. So maybe I, maybe so, but the, the results the same. They still lose. Well, no doubt. No one's debating who won the game. Did you think we were debating who won the game? No, but what I'm saying is that them kicking a field goal to try a, a low percentage onside kick. Well, but and then it was hope the highest percentage can, play they had. I mean, right. that's easy enough. But if you if you get to that point of the game, it's not that close of a game. Well, that would have been the fifth time. It would have been the fifth time if they didn't get any points there that they gave the ball away. So to some degree, the fact they got points there seems just. The point I'm saying is this. This is what you need to do, I think, when we do analysis. Anyone needs to do, I need to do, is what happened in the game and how likely is that to happen again? So let's agree if you're saying Kyler Murray being outplayed was the problem. My question is, if the Rams play the Cardinals 100 times, they never will, by the way. That's why. (laughs) But if they do, they play 100 times. Do we think Kyler Murray is at a big deficit to Matt Stafford? Is he really? Is he an inferior quarterback? No, that's not what I'm saying. But I, th- I do but, but think that, then, that the, the, the Cardinals' is, offensive line is inferior to the Rams' front. Okay. Do you think the play of? I mean, can we really separate Kyler Murray from his offensive line? Meaning, if the offensive line played horribly, Kyler Murray would play horribly. So, in the long run, let's just say the passing offense of Arizona that is a combination of Kyler Murray and the offensive line. By the way, Kyler never gets any passing yards without his offensive line helping. So if you look at Kyler's stats and Stafford's stats, you look at Kyler's play and Stafford's play, 
would you say that combined with their O-lines and all that, would you say that Arizona has a real deficiency in the passing game versus the Rams? In, yes, I would. In, in the long run, you think? Yes. Stafford is that much better than Kyler Murray. And the, the Rams' defense, uh, the, their their pass rush is that much better than the Rams' front. So, yes. Okay. Then why? how do the Rams have such an inferior record? Why is I mean, they're Bowl, one game behind the Cardinals. Yeah. And why is the Super Bowl odds Cardinals plus 950 and the Rams 11 to 1? I, that I can't speak to. So that's, you think that's, that, that's, the market's wrong on that? No, I think they're a game ahead of them. But why does that matter? Rams can come into Arizona and beat them easy, it sounds like. I, I like the Rams more than I like the Cardinals. Oh, you know, I think somehow we knew that all along. <laughs> let's take our let's take our first break. When we come back, I'm going to give AJ a shot maybe to come back at me. And you know what? I might take a shot at him because I think he did okay in this debate. But I do think it's an interesting debate. We'll finish that. And then the most curious line move we've seen in a while. The Colts are two-and-a-half-point favorites against the Patriots. What is going on? He's R.J. Bell. I'm AJ. Jay Hoffman, this is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I disagree with intervention. I disagree with protocol. If you speak out against the words of the heavens, I'm R.J. Bell, and we are straight out of Vegas. And I'm A.J. Hoffman. In just a minute, we're going to take a look at some interesting line moves in the NFL this week. Yeah, this one was, if you look at it from the look ahead to now, a five-point move against the Patriots, the hottest team in the NFL. (laughs) What is going on? This is the fastest-growing show on Fox Sports Radio. Audiences doubled in the last year plus. That's because of you, your support. We appreciate it. And we'll keep reciprocating with our maximum effort. What are we trying to accomplish? Well, we want to have fun and we want to know more than the average bear, as they say. You can listen on the iHeartRadio app. Just search straight out of Vegas. Here in Vegas on the Strip, 56 degrees and windy. Ooh, the neon is chugging. All right, RJ, let's take a look at this New England Colts line where the Patriots opened up a minus two and a half on the look ahead open. The look-ahead close is a pick 'em, and now the Colts are two and a half point favorites. What gives, considering both teams are coming off a bye? Nothing's happened since the look-ahead. I find it very interesting that you didn't want to double back to the Rams. So let me pose one Rams <laughs> oh, question. Okay, okay. To, let me pose one Rams question to you first. So Arizona was favored by three points in this game, and the Ramsey late scratch move the line about a half, you know, almost a half a point or so. So it would have been two and a half. So let's assume two and a half was the line with a healthy Ramsey, Arizona at home favorite. If they had a rematch in the first round of the playoffs and the teams play exactly as they have up to this point. So let's say, or if they had a rematch next week, right? So let's keep it simple. No COVID considerations like the Rams right now, and we'll get to that in a minute, do have. What would you make the line? Probably, it's probably about minus three. No, so, minus, or no, excuse me, Arizona? Yeah. I would say it's, it's probably Arizona minus two. Okay, so all your jibber and jabbering is you think that Rams and Net get upgraded by half a point 
off of this performance? Well, I mean, my, my opinion versus what the Vegas market would be, those are different things, obviously. Okay, but you, you think your opinion is going to be more beneficial to Arizona? Because no. it sounds, doesn't seem like you're pro-Arizona. I'm not pro-Arizona. So, But you think the line should be Arizona fa- favored by two and a half, or two, you're saying? No, that's what, I, that's what I expect it would be. Yeah, I'm not interested in what you expect. What do you think the line should be? Uh, 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 probably about a- Arizona minus one. Okay. And did you have a big bet on the Rams last night? No, I got off. I was going to bet the Rams, and I got off of it on the Ramsey news. Okay, okay. So... Even though the market adjusted, you felt like the half point wasn't enough adjustment? No, I did not. I did not feel it was what enough. What do you think Ramsey's worth? I think Ramsey in that particular matchup is pretty valuable because I told I was telling you yesterday off air about his his real dominance over DeAndre Hopkins. So, so I thought taking him away was a huge deal for them. How'd your prop bet do? Uh, lost by a yard. So why wouldn't you bring that up when you were talking about how much you understood the game? <laughs> Uh, you know what? It's it's on my notes to bring up. We just hadn't gotten there yet. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. yeah, I didn't ask you about it, is what he you said. Tw- 22 yards in the fourth quarter. And I, I told McKenzie before, I said, it's looking good, but they're about to have to be into throw mode. And they got into throw mode, and he broke it. Okay, so what was the bet again? Uh, 40 and a half yards. For Zach Ertz, Cardinals tight end. Yeah. Okay, Zach Ertz, Cardinals. Does McKenzie have to tell you that? No, I knew. I, th- I thought you meant what was the number. I thought you remembered yeah, what so the play was. Yeah, so just give the bat again so we all understand it, what we're talking about. It, Zach Ertz, 40 and a half was his total on, on yards last night. And you had the over? I had the under, unfortunately. Oh, okay, and it went over. Oh, okay. Huh. Huh. Squares won on it, though. Oh, is that right? Yeah, the for sure. Batters? <laughs> it seems like you've lost a lot of unders. I, I, you know what? I, I, I haven't kept track on my winning percent on overs versus unders, but that might be something interesting to dig into. Yeah, because what I think is your instincts are very squarish and you want to go over, but then you know I'm going to tisk you with it. So now you're trying to find unders. It doesn't feel natural to you. I think now, you what should... I. I will admit this. If I've got two plays that are close and one's an under and one's an over, I'm probably going to give the under because that way I don't have to get the grief for giving the over. But that's the thing, though. I did hit the over Kyler Murray rushing yards last night as well, but that wasn't my official play here. So that was a secret play you made by yourself? No, I I said it on the air. You said it on the air. I said it's a a bonus. I would go over Kyler Murray 27 and a half. Really? I thought I was the one talking about him running the ball more. Maybe you were. But you mentioned – did you hear this, McKenzie? Yeah, you were mentioning that Murray in this moment, in this primetime game, might get out of the pocket and run more. And he's like, yeah, by the way, bonus 27 and a half. I like the over. Ooh, okay. I didn't hear that for some reason. I tell you this, though. If, you, if it had flipped and you had won the official bet and, and lost the bonus, you think we'd be talking about the bonus? No. No. That's an official play. There's nothing worse than that. I know some serious analytics people that are so honest, it seems, and then they will make picks, and then some of them will be like kind of best bets, and if they win, they're, they actually count, and if they don't, no, they ignore them. this one them. doesn't count. This I, one doesn't I, it, count. It's important that I think anyone that listens to Straight Out of Vegas or any of the pregame.com shows knows that we don't put up with that. And I know you're new here, AJ, but we don't just pull up all these other picks that were the secret picks. I, I'm not trying to count. I was just giving an example of where I had to choose between an over and an under, and I chose the under because I thought you would shout me down for picking an over. Well, well, I never shout you down. Uh, I just, okay, I you state would play my Huey opinion. Lewis on me. I state my opinion. But I think you should maybe brand yourself as the, as the square that wins. 
Maybe say, so. I play squarish, but you know what? You can win this way. It's just harder. <laughs> but you know what? A lot of the listeners would be like, I want to play that way because I like overs. I don't like – no one likes an under. It's not fun rooting against action. It is not. That's why they have a premium on them. I'm R.J. Bell, who plays mostly unders. We are straight out of Vegas. A.J. <laughs> Hoffman, mostly overs. At least when he wins, he plays overs. Let's talk about that, <laughs> that, that New England line move. So the look-ahead line. That's the line that's a week before the game. And in theory, what happens in the interim is another week of games are played. So let's say it's uh, this, uh, today's Tuesday. Let's say today, if not tomorrow, the line comes out not for this Sunday's games, but next Sunday's games, the look ahead. Now, what, what use is that? One, you can get down a week early if you really like something. But two, you get to see how that week's games affect things. So imagine the Lions pick them. And then it's like, hmm, one team does really well that weekend. One team does poorly. All of a sudden, the team that did well are laying two, two and a half the next week. You can say two and a half points. That was the delta. That was the difference that this week's games caused. Now, it's not always perfectly that, but it almost is pretty close to it most of the time. But here we have a very curious situation. The Pats had a bye. The Colts, who play the Pats, host them, had a bye. So nothing's <laughs> happened since last week. Last week, the line opened up. The Patriots on the road favored by two and a half. At the end of the betting last week, so before this week's games, the line had moved to pick them. So the early money was on the Colts from two and a half down to pick them. Then when it opened up this week, because it's this week's games on Sunday night, it opened up for next week. It's gone now up from then, from pick them to two and a half. So two and a half point favorite the Pats were. Now they're two and a half point underdogs. And you know what we know? Home field advantage is about two and a half points. Two, two and a half. I think Colts get two and a half for sure. They have a good home field. So you're saying the Colts are equal in strength to the Patriots. Because really, there's not any situational advantage. The Pats need this game to keep their division lead. Uh, they're going for the number one seed. Colts need it to make the playoffs. They're both motivated. They're both off a bye. There hasn't been major injury news. The way I see it, this is about as pure of a matchup as you can get where the line tells you the strength of the teams and the Vegas market is saying the Indy Colts are equal to the Patriots. AJ, does that sit? How does that sit with you? It doesn't. And I, I thought, well, maybe the the Patriots because they've got a look ahead game against the Bills, maybe that was a, a a reason for it. But then I looked at the Colts, and the Colts play the Cardinals coming up next, so it's not like they've got a gimme ahead either. So I, I, it's very odd to me. I do think the matchup favors the Colts. Well, let's do that. Let's let's talk about that because I've got my take that's matchup driven. And let's get to that. But I think first, be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Fox Sports Radio. I'm AJ Hoffman. He's the voice of Vegas, RJ Bell. So why are the Colts favored by two and a half hosting the Patriots? AJ was just going to get to maybe it's matchup driven. So, AJ, if we look at the Patriots and how they've done recently, you would make the case the big win against the Bills. They were able to run the ball. Bills struggled to stop their run, at least considering the conditions 
and and the one dimensionality, <laughs> dimensionalness. I'm not sure of the Pats. The Bills didn't do so well against the run. Um, Patriots tend to want to run the ball against the Colts. That isn't quite as strong of a matchup. Yeah, the Colts, that's what they do primarily defensively is stop the run. So maybe this is a play on Mac Jones has to go on the road and win a game with his arm because they're going to take away the run game. So, for example, defensively, the Colts DVOA is fifth against the run. So their defense against the run, the fifth best in the league which uh, obviously that means, hey, Mac Jones, is he passing? So this is, a, in a way, a referendum on Mac Jones, and the market is saying, huh, Mac Jones, eh, we're not loving it because it's hard to think the Colts are the better team. Though you could make the case the Colts, and I think this is a valid case, they lost a couple of close games. They win those games, they'd be like winning eight of nine or some variation of that. Uh, so the games they've won, they've won pretty clean, and the games they've lost have been tight ones, coin flips, kind of like Arizona against the Rams. And sharp betters know not to overvalue those, AJ. <laughs> what was the uh, fourth quarter win share, McKenzie, in that game last night? Rams had a 94. Okay, just making uh, sure. Well, yeah, but see, here's so you knew that number, so you were no, I didn't, I didn't. No, hold know on, the you number. were dece- you were deceiving the audience when you acted like you didn't know. Is that correct? No, I really didn't know the number. I just okay. assumed. I, but, I actually thought it was going to be in, in the 80s. But here's the thing: you got to realize, I didn't say that the Cardinals sh- should have won the game or that they were close to winning the game. I'm saying there were factors in the game that are not repeatable. All the turnovers and all of the fourth down uh, failures. Four in total. Four times the Cardinals lost the ball because of a turnover, either an interception or a turnover on downs. And zero, zero for the Rams. And you might think, like a lot of squares do, oh, that's a sign of a good team if they don't throw interceptions. But history tells us, no, no, interceptions tend to even out mostly in the long run, at least based upon the history of the quarterback, meaning Tom Brady throws less interceptions than a bad quarterback. But in general, it gets down to, is Kyler Murray a lesser quarterback than Stafford? If you think so, then you should love the Rams. I don't think he is. I think they're equal. And that means the fact that Stafford outplayed him here was fluky. And that means in the long run, this game counts in the standings. I don't think it says much about the teams. But again, I'm maybe I'm square in some alternative universe of being sharp and square. <laughs> when we come back, change up the definitions. Yeah, if we just re, if we reverse them, I'd be square. When we come back, we are going to talk about the COVID situation with the Rams and the Browns, and Steph Curry likely will beat the three-point record tonight. How has his over/unders for these games fluctuated as the record's been in sight? And he's R.J. Bell. I'm A.J. Hoffman. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Right out of Vegas! Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app search FSR to listen live. I'm R.J. 
Jay Powell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm AJ Hoffman. Let's take a look at the line progressions where three games on the board have moved two points or more in the last 24 hours. Yeah, so wrapping up the Colts move, and then we'll get to the COVID moves, and then we'll get to the Steph Curry record attempt tonight and how the market has moved with his uh, required threes to break the record. It's very interesting. I think the reason the Colts right now are considered an equal team in this matchup against the Patriots, favored the Colts at home by two and a half, has a lot to do with they've won seven of their last ten games, and most of those wins is not all convincing, you would make the case, but they're losses. Remember the Monday night game against Baltimore. They lost that game, but, man, they were leading that game the whole game. right? That felt like one they should have won. They lost by three to the Titans, a game that they had turnovers late. They could have, should have won, could have, should have. And then even the Tampa Bay Bucks game at home, they lost by seven, but it was tied with, you know, what, less than two minutes left. Less they, than 30 seconds left. Yeah, less than 30. They could have won that game. So we're, they're not supposed to win all of those games. But the way the betting market typically does is say, hey, if it's a coin flip game, we'll give you half a win. And if you win conventionally, you get a whole win. Now, what we do is we look at win shares, right? So we look at the fourth quarter at pregame.com and say, if you take every snap of the ball and log what the chance to win the game was based on the NFL's algorithm and then average it out with the weight, though, towards later in the quarter being more important, that is very telling. Mackenzie, what was, our, what was the Colts' win share in these three games, the Baltimore game, the Tennessee game, and the Tampa Bay game? Well, they're the third most unlucky team by this metric. In those games, they had a 21 share versus the Tampa Bay Bucks. Versus the Ravens, they had a 62 share, so they should have won that game. And against the Titans, they had a 42. Okay. Type game. So 62, 42, 21. It's about you know you add it up. It's about 125 over the three games. So in theory, they had 1.25 wins in those three games. The fact that Correct. they went 0-3 in those games speaks to why the Colts are better than their record, not to mention losing their first three games. The Colts have historically started slow, and they had a new quarterback. So they got six total losses, three early, and then three in the prior ten games. And the three in the prior ten, the Bucks game, they obviously were not supposed to win, but they had a pretty healthy win share even in that game. The other two were coin flips. You sh- should win at least one of those. So it makes sense the Colts are... Uh, better than their record. AJ, let's quickly talk about the Browns and uh, the Rams. Just tell us what the line move has been based on COVID. Browns yesterday were minus six against the Raiders. Today they are minus three against the Raiders, and that's at home. And that's a COVID move, it looks like. And then also the Rams. The Rams were seven-point favorites, even as of today, uh, now five-point favorites with the COVID news. So, OBJ and the other players, and remember, whenever they have these COVID moves, it's both the players announced, but it's also, especially this early in the week, fear that it might spread. There's a chance it's going to get wide, widespread. And if so, obviously, you'd want to have the opponent. Let's talk quickly to end the show about Steph Curry going for the three-point record. Last Wednesday, I sent an email to the team, and I said, look at this. Curry's talking about getting, I think it was, what, 15 or 16 threes in a game to try to break (laughs) this record at home. How did the market react? Well, his over-under for threes up to that point averaged about five and a half per game. Curry. It went to six and a half for that next game when he was talking, hey, I could get a lot of these. 
The game after that, it stayed at six and a half. And now he only needs two to break it tonight. It's back to the season average of five and a half. So it really goes to show you the market listens to what the players say. They think about motivation. And they thought Curry would be extra motivated those games. And his three-pointers went up. Here he's back to normal motivation because after he makes the the two, is he going to shoot as much as usual? I don't know. The line is five and a half over under for threes for Steph Curry. All right. If you missed any of today's show, including us breaking down the Rams Cardinals, who was lucky, who was unlucky? Was it a phony result? You can check out that podcast at FoxSportsRadio.com. AJ was very square in that one, by the way. Very square as usual. We'll be back tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 o'clock Vegas time. He's RJ Bell. I'm AJ Hoffman. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! 